Friends, will you open with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start reading beginning in verse 15. Hear God's word. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. Let's pray together. Father, if we feel weak this morning, you say we have power. And if we feel poor this morning, you say we have riches. And if we struggle to see you and hope this morning, you say that in Christ we have hope. We're going to bank the next 20 minutes and the next 20 years on the fact that you will be faithful to these promises to us and for us. For your glory we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a great paragraph for us to study. We began the book of Ephesians with Paul's enormous single sentence that goes for two paragraphs in which Paul celebrates salvation. He celebrates what God does in salvation. And then in this next paragraph, he begins to turn to the church in Ephesus and he talks about what God is doing particularly in and through this church in this space and this time. He says three things in our verses. First, he gives a report that he's heard about Ephesus. And then he talks to Ephesus about the revelation that they will behold. And then he makes a prayer request for them. He does those three things, report, revelation, and then a request. We're going to look at each of those in turn. First, Paul gives a report in verse 15. He says, Ephesus, people are talking behind your back, and this is what they're saying. Verse 15, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I've heard about your faith and your love. What a beautiful reputation for a church to have. Their faith and their love. I mean, can you imagine meeting somebody, bumping into somebody at the farmer's market, and them saying, oh, you go to Columbia Presbyterian Church. You mean the Columbia Presbyterian Church. Yeah, I've heard about you guys. And it's like, "Uh uh-oh, what on earth did you hear about us? And they say... I've heard that you guys have faith, that you really, truly believe this kind of gospel, that you are trusting in Christ, that new people are being born again, that seasoned saints, they're giving up their righteousness and grasping on Christ's righteousness. I've heard about your faith. Your faith precedes you. And 
I've heard that you put your love where your creed is. I heard you guys put this thing into practice. You love each other. You serve each other. You have each other in each other's homes. I heard you guys take retreats together. I heard that you guys meet weekly in life groups together. I hear that there are men and women who pray together in this church every single week. I've heard that when things go wrong for one member, other members, pull their resources to help the person who is in need. What a beautiful, beautiful reputation. It is an adornment on the gospel of Christ and that is true here in this church and other gospel-believing churches in Colombia. And because of that, God's reputation grows. He is lovely and he is beautiful because his church at her best is lovely and beautiful in him. Faith and love. We hear that here now in this prayer and report that Paul gives, but it's actually kind of a teaser for the twin themes of this letter that we're going to read. In the first half of the letter, chapters 1 through 3, it's all about faith. We're going to hear that word faith repeated multiple times. And in chapters 4 through 6, we're going to hear love repeated multiple times. Faith and love, twin themes of the book of Ephesians. But for now, even as Paul talks about this report, he notices that there's still something missing in this church. You've got faith, check. You've got love, check. But Paul immediately turns around and he starts asking for the thing that he perceives is missing in this body of believers. And I bet if you thought about it, you could guess what is missing in the church in Ephesus. This missing ingredient It shows up in the great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. I just read this chapter this morning, and after describing what love is and what love isn't, Paul ends very famously, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. You could fill in the blanks, and now these three remain, blank, blank, and blank, and the greatest of these is love. These three remain, these three crystallize what God is doing in his church. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. Church in Ephesus, I see that you have faith. I see that you have love. Now I'm going to pray that God would give you that third crucial ingredient of the Christian life. I'm going to pray that he will give you hope. He's going to ask that in verse 18, but before he does that, we need to say a word about divine revelation. This is our second point, revelation. Getting hope is not like getting a gallon of milk, okay? If anybody was confused about that, let's clarify. Getting hope is not like saying, sweetie, We're running low on hope here in our household. Can you run to the store and pick up a gallon of it on your way home? That's not how hope works in the Christian life. Just like faith and love, hope is a supernatural commodity. It is Christ-won, God-given, Spirit-sealed. And the road from us where we are today to the hope that God invites us to have 
only and ever comes through the Trinity himself. That's what Paul is essentially saying in verses 17 through 18. Look at this. Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know him. So right there you see the Trinity, right? Number one, we have God who is called, and I love this, the Father of glory. You've got God, the Father of glory. Number two, you don't have a Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have even the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the possessive, our Lord Jesus Christ. And number three, you have spirit of wisdom, which again in Ephesians 1 should be capitalized, the Holy Spirit of wisdom. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You have the Trinity, And then you have this cluster of words that talk about a supernatural kind of seeing. We're saying you can't just grab hope. Hope is a supernatural commodity. And we see that in the words Paul is using because he says, I want you to have wisdom, revelation, knowledge, enlightenment, knowing. Okay, so in and of myself... I do not have access in my own flesh, in my own resources, to what God is calling me to put into practice, and that is the gift of hope in God. If I struggle in my Christian life to see God, if I struggle in my Christian life to feel God, if I struggle to commune with God, if I struggle in my Christian life to wake up and to be excited about God and the things of God, if I struggle to look back over my life and see the sovereign hand of God, if I struggle in any of these ways to see, experience, be delighted, feel, know, enjoy the presence, the power, the person of God, no freaking kidding. Everybody does. That's not unique to you. That's not unique to your Monday morning. That wasn't unique to your worship experience today. Everybody in this room struggles to see God. Ephesus struggled to see God. Saints for all time have struggled to see God. If you struggle to see God today, get in line. Everybody does. Everybody struggles to see and experience him. Every leadership book on the shelf of the Columbia Airport, which I have read or skimmed, says the exact same thing. It says vision leaks, right? Vision leaks. You may have started your Christian life with a grand and beautiful view of God, but vision leaks and swords they get dull and our eyes they wear down and grow dim and Satan has made it his business to steal and kill and destroy and you may wake up each morning and forget that your soul is in a bitter battle for its life and enjoyment itself, but I promise you Satan never forgets that fact. 
And the person who once quipped that time heals all wounds never took the devil seriously. Unattended time can beat a Christian into doubting, bitter, unbelieving pulp. You've seen it. You may have experienced it. You may know somebody now who's in the fetal position in their Christian life, experiencing this bitter, bitter warfare to see and hope in God. Well, putting that together with last week, I'm a little bit confused on the message of the book of Ephesians, because last week we spent so much time saying that the Holy Spirit is the pledge and the seal of faith that cannot break, And when I heard that assurance of my salvation and what the Holy Spirit does, I was so encouraged by that passage. And now this week, all of a sudden, I'm hearing that my soul is in a desperate battle for hope. And now I'm disturbed. I've kind of lost the benefit of last week, and I'm disturbed by this week. So the question is, which one is it? Am I so sealed in the Holy Spirit that I can now coast through my Christian life? Or am I not sealed and not secure and I am fighting bitterly through my Christian life? Which vision of the Christian life do you want me to take from the book of Ephesians and walk with? And Paul's simple answer is neither. Both of those are wrong. Both of those are misguided. Don't Don't take either of those views to the Christian life. Paul has absolutely no problem whatsoever in praising God that you and I are sealed, pledged, secured, joined to Christ, inseparable from God. We cannot possibly lose our salvation. And that we are daily, desperately dependent on God for faith, love, Hope, armor, weapons. We got no problem talking about those two things and holding both of those things hand in hand because if we get both of those things, that both our eternal security and our fight for joy in the Christian life are dependent on God, are dependent on the gift he gives us of inner eyes to see what our physical eyes can't see, both of those things are going to drive us to dependency on God every single day. I'm dependent on him to hear the security of my salvation, and I'm dependent on him to fight for joy and for hope every waking day. Both things drive us to God. So we get this report, you've got love and you've got faith, you're missing hope. We hear that it's only going to come by a matter of divine revelation that God is going to give to us. And so number three, Paul is ready to make his request. So I want to ask you again this morning, Christian, do you struggle to see God? Do you struggle to know God? What is the hope that you have in him? 
Do you struggle to see the riches that you have as an heir of Christ? Do you struggle to know and to feel the power that is in you, which is the exact same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead and seat him in the heavenly places? And if you have answered yes to any of those questions, then Paul suggests something very, very radical, and that is pray about it. If you're lacking something, Ask God for the thing that you're lacking. And don't just ask God for it yourself. Get other friends around you who are also going to ask God for the very same thing. That's what Paul's doing. He's praying this prayer. And then what's so beautiful about this is after he prays the prayer, he goes ahead and writes a letter so that Ephesus knows the very prayer that he's praying. So the moment I'm done praying for a fellow believer that they would experience these things, I can text that same person and say, this is exactly what I have prayed for you. Verses 18 and 19. That God would so open your inner eyes supernaturally, only something that his Holy Spirit can do, that you would, one, know the hope to which he has called you, two, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and three, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe. Hope, riches, power, apparently... The inner eyes of our heart can see a bunch of stuff. If God will open them, if God will remove the scales from the eyes of our heart, we can see glorious and beautiful things. So let me just very briefly summarize. Every single person in this room, every believer, everybody who's on their journey towards Christ, we lack hope, riches, power that we need to walk with Christ every single day. And none of these things that we so desperately need are like a switch that we can turn on and off. You can't get out of bed on Monday morning and muster hope and power and strength. We are entirely dependent on God for these things. When Paul says, I want you to know them, He's not using the word know as in, I want you to know your state capitals. Like go home and memorize this and then you have it figured out and we won't have any more theological questions about this. Paul, of course, means I want your very, the very fiber of your being to have access to these things. I want to struggle for a back of, uh, lack of a better phrase. I want your heart to be open to observe and experience these things that you will see God. And if that happens, if the Father of glory becomes more glorious to us, if our inner eyes can see him for who he is, if we actually begin to treasure him above all things, if I begin to feel in my spiritual veins the very power that raised Christ from the dead, if I can begin to observe and know and bank on the inheritance that I have in Christ, if God would give me the gift of hope, what else matters? What else do I need 
to put one foot in front of the other in union with Christ to follow hard after God. Blessed, blessed, blessed be God our Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, you are to be blessed. This is all for you. This is all for your glory. Whatever hope and encouragement we feel, we turn back to you in thanks and praise because they are divine gifts given to us that we might revel in the union we have in Christ. Glory, glory, glory to God in the highest. In Jesus' name, amen.